Good morning. This is Lisa Niver from We Said Go Travel, and I'm so excited to be here with author Laura Carney. Hi, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to hear about your book, My Father's List. It's incredible what's happening with the publicity for your book. Everyone wants to talk to you about this incredible journey you've been on. So tell us, tell all the listeners a little bit about how did this happen? I know you found your father's bucket list. So tell us a bit about how that happened. Yeah, um, I mean, my father actually, uh, he passed away in 2003 um, because of a distracted driver. Uh, and it's like a teenager who was making a phone call. Um, and it wasn't until 13 years later, actually the year uh, that I got married and my brother also got married, um, my husband and I were visiting my younger brother at his first house. He had just purchased a condo. So, you know, we had gone up to celebrate that. And he was also like a couple weeks away from his wedding. And in the, in the process of the move, he had found this little pouch that had my dad's list in it that nobody knew existed, except for my mom. We found out later, uh, she actually was there when he wrote it. Cause I was a baby. It was 1978 when he wrote it, but oh yeah, God. like as soon as. As soon as we saw it, it, it was like, gosh, it was just like a lightning bolt kind of moment where uh, I knew immediately I needed to finish it for him. Like, There's no waffling, no like, oh, that seems crazy. Like it was just, we loved it so much because it was so funny and like the items on it were so him. Like, of course, this is what he wanted to do. Um, and my husband was the one who actually said it first, like, this is your book you need to finish this and write about it. And, you know, I always joke, you know, thank goodness he said it before I did because he ended up being like the main person who was doing these list items with me. Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about in that, what you just said. So <laughs> first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry that about your father, that what a horrible thing for you to grow up without him. That must've been I'm so sorry. I know. Yeah, I mean, I was 25, so I was an adult, but it was more like I didn't get to experience a lot of the adult milestones. Hmm. And I know you've done some activism about distracted driving. I did actually. Um, you know, it's so weird. It's like I always like to say that everything goes back to running for me because I wasn't an athletic person. At least I didn't perceive myself, not since I was a kid. I played all different sports as a kid. But when I was 35, I took up running. It was just because my coworkers at Good Housekeeping were all running marathons. You know, my old jobs, we went to happy hour and this place, they didn't do that. They were more wholesome. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll try running. And, you know, next thing I knew, an article came across my desk one day about distracted driving. And it was about a man, uh, his name's Joel Feldman, whose daughter had been killed by a distracted driver. And as soon as I saw it, I remembered that the driver had been on a phone in my dad's crash. So I called him up the next day. I said, you know, I think I've had an experience with this. Can I help you? So he had me talking in a high school with him, you know, like a few months later. And uh, that was really the beginning of it because since I was already a runner now, I just started raising funds for him with my runs. Um, and I think what happened was the running was helping me release my grief. Like I had so much, mostly anger, but I had anger and grief just bottled inside of me. And when I would be moving my body in this, you know, vigorous way, it was almost like I was just releasing these toxins out, you know, and I would always find myself crying, <laughs> not always, but often because, and I think it was also because I felt like I was doing something empowering with the grief. Like here I am raising money for this organization that's trying to save lives. 
So, you know, I did it that way. Um, I never really became someone who was doing lots of talks, I think because, you know, it wasn't my child. Like it wasn't, you know, it, it was a little bit different for me. And, and I also started to feel like, you know, something about it, something about it just, I wasn't as good at as other people were. Like, I just wasn't into the legal side as much. Um, like I'm a writer, I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes. So when the list appeared for me, it was just like, this is a really inspiring form of activism. Like this feels like something that is right for me to do. Because if, I, if I'm talking about someone's dreams then I'm kind of illustrating to the world, this is what's lost if a person loses their life. So that honestly, that, yeah, my activism and my running, those were, I think those were the catalyst for that moment to happen. And certainly my wedding too. Um, but yeah, when I started doing the list, uh, it, it, it's almost like everything in the years leading up to that had been preparing me for it. So you were in the right place at the right time. And so, absolutely. so I think this is where I got confused. So the list he wrote when you were a baby, that's why yep. I was thinking, okay, so he, and the, do you know, did he do any of the things on the list before he died? He did. Yeah. I mean, my brother and I were just marveling over the fact that he had checked off five of the items and marked one as having failed at, um, wow. you know, just as, as many as like, you know, he did things like a comedy monologue at a nightclub. Thank goodness. Cause I didn't want to do, <laughs> um, and, uh, he did a uh, go to the world series game. Um, and he wrote the score next to it as, you know, as proof, um, he helped his parents, uh, enjoy their retirement. He developed an impressive record collection. Um, what was the fifth one that he did? Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. That's okay. I can't remember now the fifth one was, but but the one that he failed at was uh, pay my dad back a thousand dollars plus interest, which made me kind of sad because it just meant that my grandfather passed away before he was able to do that. Oh. Yeah. It's, and so it seemed like, like I know you just said the World Series. I know there were quite a few sports ones, like the you went to the Rose Bowl and the Super Bowl. So were you a sporty family? Because you, you said you weren't that athletic. Well, he and my brother were, and okay. I would my brain would shut off when they would talk about sports. They loved sports. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, he took us to games, all kinds, basketball, baseball, uh, college football games. Um, yeah, he was a huge sports fan. My brother was too. And I mean, he coached me in sports as though I was a boy. So you were very athletic. Because as I a kid, what yeah. was the picture? Something about uh, the best seed? Was that tennis, but you your foot was in a cast? Did you get hurt? Yeah. <laughs> that was arrogance on my part. <laughs> because I, I did play on the tennis team in high school and I considered it my best sport. So I thought, uh, oh, I'll just do this in one day this, this is fine. And I was playing against a friend, my husband's best friend, who's a tennis coach. And I was kind of having some stomach issues. And my husband was like, Oh, I'll do it instead of you. It's okay. And I said, No, 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 I'm going to get this done today. And like, as soon as I got out there, like I just tore a tendon in my foot, like I like one wrong move. And then I had to get surgery. And it just, I mean, that in a way became the most involved list item just because of what happened that day. And, you know, in many ways, my greatest teacher, because I realized I could have just not played <laughs> like, and, and anytime I approach a list item with arrogance, like this is going to be easy um, or like arrogance or rushing, like, let's just get this out of the way. You know, it's stuff like that. Like it doesn't work. 
that that's been the case. Every, so what I started learning was if I'm doing this with humility, so no ego, I'm doing this with kindness and I'm doing it to promote somebody else, that's usually when they work out. Those are really good lessons for people listening who also want to do things from the bucket list that you really have to pay attention. There's risks personally, and yet you have to pick well. Tell us about corresponding with the Pope. How'd that happen? I put that off towards the end uh, <laughs> just because it, you know, it seemed impossible. I, I thought this, uh, this surely is the one, you know, this is the one that's going to do me in that it's going to be a He's, you know, you can't even call him he, he, the pronoun he uses is his holiness, his holiness, like his holiness might not respond. And, um, I, I consulted a priest in New York, a Jesuit priest who, who, you know, is, is comfortable in the media. He works with Martin Scorsese. Like he's, he does a lot. Um, and he just, he wrote me back unbelievably and said, you know, just try it. He might write back. So I thought, well, this guy seems to have an audience with Pope Francis more than most priests. So maybe I'm not saying he put in a word for me, but maybe he knows something. So I, I went ahead and I, I wrote the letter and, you know, I just crafted it really well. I, I put a lot of thought into what I wanted to tell his holiness and you can, you can Google online, you know, there's a proper etiquette to writing to the Pope and he, most people don't know this, but he will write back or somebody will who works under him, who they say represents him. That's so amazing. So the Pope, and then also a president you corresponded with, right? Yeah, President Jimmy Carter. Um, I, I was doing a TV show, an interview right at the very beginning of doing the list. And somebody wrote to me, someone emailed me and said, you know, it, if any president will do, Jimmy Carter still teaches Sunday school every Sunday in Plains, Georgia. Aww. And he was 92 at the time. He's not doing it anymore now. But uh, so I, I uh, emailed his uh, health, li health liaison. And she said uh, she could give me a tour of the Carter Center if I came down. And she told me to get in touch with the innkeeper because there's like one innkeeper in town and she's the one who makes sure you can get into the church. Oh, wow. Like you can get a pew because sometimes he would have 500 people and they couldn't get everybody in. So we basically like went in there, uh, you know, like, like we were VIPs. We got a seat right behind where he was sitting. But that still didn't ensure that I was going to be able to talk to him. It wasn't like just be in the vicinity of a president. It was talk to the president. So just by total coincidence, we ended up at the hotel at the same time as one of his biographers. And, you know, being a journalist, I had been binging all everything Jimmy Carter for like a week. And so I could talk to him about him and kind of hold my own. And that went on for two or three hours. You talked to him for two or three hours? In the parking lot. Yeah. My husband kind of chiming in sometimes but mostly just watching it because he found it very entertaining <laughs> oh my goodness how incredible yeah and he he kept it was funny because his name's art milnes he's he's actually a canadian uh speech writer for prime ministers okay and he kept throwing out all these names like george hw bush and george w bush and you know people he'd met <coughs> excuse me thank and thank you and um you know, I got to my hotel room and just Googled it. And it's like, it, there he was with each one of the men he'd been talking about. And Jimmy Carter even spent the night in his house once in Canada. <laughs> so, I mean, we're pretty sure he put in a good word for us. And that's why I got a few sentences. But the funny thing is like, we're still friends now. Like I just talked to Art last week. And to this day, we still don't know. Like, we don't know if he said anything to him. <laughs> and he'll probably never tell us. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean- what an incredible journey you've been on the last five years and, and what, how, I, how had the uh, 
experience of the COVID coaster change getting through some of your your list? Like I imagine <laughs> that's, that's what I've been calling it. The COVID yeah, I've never coaster. heard it called that before. Well, it was well, it there's was, ups and downs in the COVID coaster. That's true. That's 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 very true. Um, it it it's like I don't want to sound like I benefited from the pandemic because I okay. certainly didn't. I, I had to stay away from my family just like everybody else did, you know? Um, and also, I mean, my husband and I are quite privileged in that we could both do our jobs from home. So, you know, we didn't have to cope with a lot of hardships that so many people did. Uh, but at the same time, I was starting to write a book proposal then. And I suddenly had a lot of time and space to do that. Um, you know, I had list items that actually could be helped by the fact that we couldn't leave the house and we couldn't go certain places. So like have my own tennis court, suddenly a ping pong table sufficed because we didn't know when it was going to end. You know, like we might've been trapped in the house forever. So that was the closest I was going to come to having my own tennis court. Um, <laughs> own a large house in our own land that ended up being a very large tent which if you look up house in the dictionary, it just says shelter. You know, it says a couple of things, but it says shelter. And, you know, we couldn't travel anymore. Like we were itching to travel and the best we could come up with was camping. So I was sitting there and it's like, it occurred to me, oh my God, this is our large house. You know, and, and we had just run every single street in our town just cause we were so restless. And I thought, well, that's sort of like we owned our land, you know? So there were a lot of things like that that happened during the pandemic, that was almost like, I mean, quite honestly, what it was teaching me was even in times that seem bleak and terrible, there could, there's still like glimmers of hope in your everyday life. And that my dad's spirit who had been helping me the entire time, like he's still there helping me. He's still helping me find like the bright lining of everything. That was very beautiful. What you just said. Yes. And that's, that's true. So uh, during the COVID coaster, you had times where you weren't traveling, but quite a few of your lists are traveling, like you went to London and New Orleans. Were the were they places you also wanted to go or it was really, you went because it was on your dad's list? Oh yeah. I mean, there wasn't ever a time where I was like, oh, St. Thomas. <laughs> God, don't make me go there. Um, yeah, I wanted to go to all those places and I had been, I mean, we'd been to Paris already. I'd been to Los Angeles already. I'd been to Chicago. I'd been to Las Vegas. So a lot of them I had already checked off. Um, yeah, I, it was thrilling to get to go to each of those places. Um, sometimes it started to feel a bit much <laughs> like, you know, we went to new Orleans and then San Diego and then Miami and then St. Thomas within a period of like eight months. So it was a lot of traveling and I got really good at traveling. I, I got so much better at packing, um, so much more efficient. Like it just started, I remember at one point I felt like getting on a plane to me started to feel like getting on a train, which is what, you know, as a commuter to New York city, I would do every day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really interesting way to travel too, I think, because I was always doing it as a researcher and as a, as a writer, and I'm always looking for the things like, what would my dad have experienced if he checked this off himself? So usually that means very cultural or historic parts of the places I'm going to. Yeah. That was going to be my question is, do you, did you have a sense of how he picked the places? Was, was it, you know, like he wanted to go wherever, where the Rose Bowl was, or he wanted to see the movie studios or was there a theme to it? Do you think? Yeah. I places? mean, 
well, like the Rose Bowl and uh, the NCAA Final Four and also Super Bowl. I mean, you know, because he's a sports nut, like we we're talking about, um, especially football. You really love watching football. Um, I think, uh, you know, you, you could kind of narrow down each of these places to one thing sometimes that, that he was probably most interested in. So, for example, Vienna is the city of music and my dad was a singer. So, you know, he loved the Vienna Boys Choir and, you know, surely that's he was interested in the history of music and that's why he wanted to go there. Um, it was, you know, Vienna is also a cultural melting pot for Europe. And, and he was an American studies major who you know, was also very interested in world history. So that would have been something that he was curious about. Um, you know, London, I think everybody wants to go to London. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> but he, lo he, he loved King Arthur. Um, he, he was a writer, he loved literature. So those are the things I'm focusing on when I, when I went to London. And we actually made a side trip to Ireland, which is where my family's from. So that was really amazing too. Um, and then as far as San Diego goes, you know, I, I had to go sailing in San Diego because that's where people do it. I mean, the most naval bases in the world are in San Diego. And my dad helped, he actually was like a, a he has a publishing company on the side and he helped his friend publish her book called Sailing is Fun in the seventies. So I think that's probably what he would have wanted to do. She was joking with me once though. She said he was handing it out at like marinas where they already know how to sail. <laughs> But anyway, that, yeah, that's why I did that. Uh, New Orleans, similar that we went to Jazz Fest. That's that's a, a you know a town that's famous for music. Um, yeah, it real that's really how I was narrowing things down. St. Thomas, I think he probably wanted to go there just because you know in the seventies uh, the Caribbean became a very popular place for people to want to travel to. So I think that's probably what that was about. And so I noticed when you were talking about the different places you mentioned, Vienna and singing, and you recorded some songs also as part of this, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. It's it's funny. I've been featured now on three TV shows singing, <laughs> and it's been a different song each time. No, sorry, not, no, two TV shows and NPR. All of a sudden, I hear my voice at like nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and each time without, without instrumental accompaniment. <laughs> Thank you, but I don't think of myself as a singer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I think I think a lot of people don't think of themselves as a singer or a sailor or an athlete. And I think it's really inspiring for people that you did it anyway. Yeah, I, I can carry, you know, I have I have good pitch. I, I can carry a tune and and the singing was it was almost like any other list item. I mean, I've, I've told people sometimes when I did swim the width of a river, I was like in the middle of this river and, and just thinking, how am I? how am I going to do this? And all of a sudden I could, like, I was a much less panicked person going like coming back and things like that would happen all the time where suddenly I felt more confident and like, I couldn't fail if I had my dad helping me and if I was doing it to honor him. So the same thing happened with singing. Like I remember being startled when I first heard my voice while recording with my cousin who was helping me because he's a musician. And I said, what did you do to it? And he's like, nothing. This is just, this is just you. And I thought, thought something's going on here. <laughs> like, Clearly, like my dad's helping me, like, and I feel like he helped me write the book too, quite honestly. Because you know, sometimes you write a passage and you're like, "Did I do that?" <laughs> That's like I can't do. I'm not. I'm not usually that good. You know what I mean? I think it's fantastic. I have to say, when I looked at the pictures you shared with me, one of my favorites was "Grow a Watermelon." Oh, that's everybody's favorite. <laughs> it's so quirky. It's so unusual. Uh, I mean, he liked to eat watermelon. <laughs> like that's like 
close as I can come to for why he would have wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, plant an apple tree. That's easier to figure out because he was so, you know, he's so American and that's Johnny <laughs> Appleseed. That's such an American thing to do. Um, I don't know why he wanted to grow a watermelon, but you know, we don't have a backyard. We live in an apartment. So I actually, um, just grew it in a pot on my fire escape. And my, my husband helped a lot with that because he's a morning person. I'm a night person. So he was watering it every morning and I was watering it every evening. And by the end of the summer, we did have one little baby golf ball sized super bush baby watermelon. And they're supposed to get to be about like bowling ball size, but I think it's because our bucket was so small. <laughs> and it only reached like a, but it's, I mean, it still tasted good. Well, I think that everybody is going to love learning more about you and your dad's list in your book. So tell everybody where can they find more if they want to see the pictures, they want to hear you singing, they want to buy the book. What's the best way to find you? What should they do? Oh, um, well, you can pre-order the book at bylarcarney.com. That's my website. Uh, I also have a newsletter sign up on there. I'd like to update everyone every week on what's going on. Um, and my father's list on everywhere, Instagram, uh, Facebook. And if you want to go to Twitter, I'm LAC30. So everywhere on the internet. So your book is available for pre-order. And if people want to see you more, you've been everywhere lately. The Daily Blast, Lester Holt, People Magazine. Congratulations on so much incredible coverage for your book, My Father's List. And I I agree with you. I'm sure your father helped you with these challenges. And I bet he's just so proud of what you've accomplished. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it really, a lot of the lesson for me was just letting go and just believing that he was. Yeah, this has been so much fun to talk with you. I wish you the biggest and greatest success. And just, oh my gosh, I, I just can't wait until the next book comes out when you get to do your bucket list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am already doing it. So that might be a good idea. Oh, you are doing another, a whole another list of your own. That's awesome. Yep. All right. Well, we'll have to talk about that on the next podcast. So <laughs> okay. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me.